Welcome to this week's episode of Hey, I think we're good here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Today's episode stars University of Washington assistant coach Jason Mansfield. Jason discusses his various coaching destinations, from his tenure at Stanford to Illinois and now the University of Washington, the difference in culture, process, and style each one has presented, the challenges he has willingly faced both as a father and coach, what teaching the game of volleyball means to him, and what his style of teaching highlights. Come take a listen. What's up, guys? Hey, there he is. How we doing? It's a beautiful background you got there. I got, I got a couple more here. It's nighttime. Nice. God, I miss that place. Daytime. That. <clears throat> we'll do the uh, blank wall with the calendar of the kids in the background. <laughs> Keep it real. You're coaching today, Jeff? Yeah, I'm at NNJ, and we're. Full blown playing six on six volleyball. Wow. Ray and Jason say hi. That's awesome. Hi. <laughs> Bug also says hi. Oh man, miss those guys. All those guys. Had that at Illinois, which I thought was uh, awesome and a great advantage, you know, for, for everyone. Um, but yeah, the girls, I think we're kind of <laughs> tired of being at home. And, uh, and so they, they made their way. To campus and had to go through a bunch of protocols, um, a bunch of testing, um, physicals, all that stuff, and we had to have a plan um, from the athletic department. And so, yeah, a bunch of them have been back for a couple months doing open gyms, and then we got the the okay to do a couple small group sessions. So we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. We did it two days last week, and then four days this week. So just trying to be in small groups for an hour. Um, and just really working on movement stuff, but it's great. I mean, it's great to be in the gym. It's great to practice. It's weird because you're not like preparing to play a match in, you know, two weeks. Um, but just the fact that we can kind of slow things down and, um, and work on movement stuff is, um, yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, it's great for the freshmen, especially, but yeah, so we'll do that for a while, and the girls start school, I think, in about three weeks, and we'll give them uh, a couple weeks off around school, and then we'll jump back into it. But it's weird being in the gym with a mask on, not just me, but all the players, you know. It's uh, interesting trying to design practice and drills to where we can stay away from each other the whole time. So, like, no tight quicks, no blocking against attackers, like, just trying to really keep it safe. Um you know, for as long as we uh, are told to. So, um, so that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, it's good to be in the gym, and we're working on a lot of good things. And feel like the girls have really improved the last you know week and a half. So it's cool. How how is the athletes' response? Are they like just stoked to be in the gym, or are they kind of like, yeah, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's been. I think they're excited to be in the gym. It's weird because, like I said, they've been in the gym for some of them for a couple months. Um, and so it doesn't have that feeling like, uh, 
like we had at Stanford or like we have here where the culture is not to be here in the summer. So there's, you know, this excitement to get back in the gym to see each other. You know, it, it uh, we had kind of a, a, a small, you know, a report day with Adidas Christmas and stuff like that, you know, which the girls love. So we try to give them a little something that was normal on a, on a regular day. But yeah, I just think that they're, they're excited to be practicing and be together, but they've been together, you know, for a while. So it's not, maybe not as exciting. And like I said, there's nothing to like look forward to in a couple of weeks where they're fired up to go play some preseason matches. So, but there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any anxiety about, you know, wanting to be there. And, and we've made that clear. Keegan's done a great job of that. Of just making sure that if you don't feel comfortable at all, or you don't like the drill that we're doing or, or whatever, then you're, you're free to, you know, to go home. And, and uh, so no one, no one's got to that point yet. For sure. It's going to be so hard as a player, especially like a freshman or sophomore to yeah. stand for yourself and say like, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the expectations, you know, for, for everything. But I just feel, I feel for the freshmen just in general, because when they were seniors last year, you know, they didn't, they didn't get to do so many things that, you know, they're, they're not that big of a deal, but they are a big deal, right? Like going to prom and going and, you know, graduation and, yeah. and playing nationals for them. I mean, those things are, they're, they're big deals. They're events, you know, that they, they didn't get a chance to do. And, and same thing goes with seniors in college too. But yeah, these, these freshmen have gone through a lot already and not had a lot of normal, you know, for them. So um, they're excited to be there and they don't know any better. So we're trying to just be, I mean, we're always trying to really be aware of freshmen, you know, they, they have so much on them, you know, every year. And so just trying to be aware of that, um, you know, just in general, but with this group too awesome about women's volleyball though they at least get there like like a month i don't know how when you guys start but it's like a month almost two months for you guys right because you guys are quarter system so you're in the middle of step oh before school yeah they're just volleyball players for a long time it's it's interesting though it yeah being at a semester school what's that like nowhere to eat they know how to get around <laughs> like all this stuff we're like most people yeah. are here, like what is cafeteria? What does that even mean? Right. Yeah, we're actually starting school a little earlier, so it won't be as dramatic of um, of a preseason as far as just being a volleyball player. So they're excited. They're always excited to get to school, which is a, a good thing. <laughs> we yeah. It's like the school kind of starves them for long enough, and they've been volleyball players for a long time, which seems cool, but they we have a lot of really academic girls and and they're just ready to kind of get going and and start school so i don't know if they'll feel the same way about being online but they'll be they'll be fired up for some something different and how's recruiting going for you guys is it just a lot of phone calls for all the coaches or have you guys slowed down at all since school is starting with the high school uh, kids we just try to be we've tried to be consistent throughout this whole thing so once june 15th hit which was just really strange for, yeah. for a lot of people it felt for us it felt like it was like the nfl draft you know we we came in early in the morning and we uh tried to get you know meetings set up you know that day on zoom and phone calls and stuff and and then we didn't hear anything for like a little while and there was a little bit of a panic so um, but no, it's been really good. Uh, I just think the communication that we are trying to c 
consistently do, whether it's Zoom meetings, uh, whether it's emails, uh, we, we send a lot of stuff out in the mail. Uh, we like to create some stuff and, and do some, some mailers to the kids. Um, and then obviously text messages and trying to get on the phone. So we're just trying to be consistent. We're not trying to overwhelm them. And we just have tried to do that from that date, you know, and um, yeah, we had a pretty big list to start with. So it's, um, it's been a lot of work, but it's been fun. It's been a lot different, not just because of the date, but just because of how we approached it from last year. For sure. Well, Jason, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> It's a weird time to say that. Thanks for having me here. Idolizing his background in the skyline of Seattle. Yeah, yeah. We can we can switch it back. It just the 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 background stuff makes my head look all weird, like there's a ghost right here. Yeah. (laughs) I like the white. I like nothing like seeing the kids in the background. Yeah, we got the calendar right there. There you go. It's almost ready to change to September. So okay, then let's let's get it going because I don't want to stay too much in the present. We want to hear about your past a little bit here. Okay. Where? So you're obviously it all starts in northern or northern California, and then yeah. how does it like? You're the first one to play volleyball in the family, yeah? Yeah, I just kind of Aaron talked about it on his podcast, but just yeah. Kings Beach Lake Tahoe is really where it all started. So just watching doubles when I was you know, 10 years old, you know, and, and then about 13 and seventh grade is when um, I had a buddy that also played volleyball. And so we started to just kind of play um, a little bit. And uh, yeah, so from there, uh, tried to get, you know, the one thing Aaron didn't say, but the one thing that happened was we tried to get a team, you know, seventh grade, we tried to get a team, eighth grade, we tried to get a team. And then the year I go to high school, they get a team, you know? And so Aaron, Aaron is six years younger, but he got to experience that. And so in high school, it was every year, freshman year, sophomore year. And, uh, and a buddy of mine who was younger than me when he got there, so I was a sophomore, he was a freshman. His dad was the, the girls coach. And, uh, and we threatened him for two straight years that we are gonna try out for women's volleyball or girls volleyball, you know? Cause there was girls actually trying out for the football team. We had a girl kicker um my senior year which is awesome she was a soccer player and so we got this idea we're like we're gonna do this and he's like no you're not playing girls volleyball I will start a boys volleyball club team you know at the high school I'm like awesome that's all we need so by my junior year we you know we had this team and we played Los Gatos and Valley Christian and and some of the other schools that that actually had teams at the time Los Gatos was the first uh school to like have have a team um, and so we just scrimmaged a bunch of teams and then, um, and then, yeah, I just, I, I loved it. I fell in love with it. My senior year, we put together a club team of all the high school kids and we went to nationals and we were ranked like 85th out of 86 teams or something and finished 30th. Um, but we found a kid that was a senior from, um, South Africa. His name was Andor July and he ended up getting a scholarship from that team we picked him up at a grass tournament and he was like there on vacation and decided to stay with us and went to nationals and he got a scholarship at BYU and then ended up transferring to UCLA and he was on the bench when they won the national championship but he was a stud he was six six five just stud and so um that was like one of the first guys I played with where I was like this guy is way different level than me 
Um, he's really good. And um, so then I went on and played at Foothill Junior College. Um, and my freshman year is when Aaron came home and said, I need a volleyball coach, you know, when he was in seventh grade. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And so that was the first year I coached. Um, I played with Riley Salmon, fun fact, who was on the, uh, on the Olympic gold medal team. He was uh, our opposite in my freshman year. He's from Texas and his buddy moved to Northern California and he's like, I'll come play volleyball. So he played with us his freshman year and then went to Pierce his sophomore year. And his story is crazy, but he was really good. So he's a, he's a brother. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a stud. He, uh, he was, he was fun to play with. Um, so yeah, I started coaching yeah, when I was 18, basically, cause I was, I was young my freshman year um, of college. So I coached seventh grade, boys eighth grade boys and then yeah when I left uh when my eligibility was up playing volleyball at Foothill the women's coach asked me to be the assistant and so I started coaching junior college um and then it just like snowballed from there and I've thought about this I have a just a really unique path in that I coached seventh and eighth grade boys I coached JV girls for a year. I coached JV boys for a year. I coached varsity girls for six years. I coached varsity boys for five years. You know, I coached club volleyball with my brother kind of throughout, starting in 14s all the way up to 18s. And then I also coached, you know, 20 years of club volleyball for, for girls starting when I was, when I was 20. Um, and so I've kind of like coached at all these different levels, you know, and, and I, I guess the easiest thing is to say is that I, I kind of always wanted to be a teacher. So Keegan kind of said that too, but I had a, a really cool English teacher in high school that was also the basketball coach. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be an English teacher and coach varsity and, and that's going to be the thing. And so once I started coaching, it just was like the best of both worlds of being able to, to teach um, the sport that I love. And so I threw myself into it. I was coaching like three teams at a time. I moved out of my parents' house when I was 19, trying to pay rent and working these odd jobs during the day and trying to coach in the afternoon. So, yeah, I just tried to get as good as I could at coaching, but mainly because I just I loved it. So, yeah. so Aaron mentioned that you've always been a pretty thoughtful coach. Um, and from what, I, from what I know and what I've heard back then, not a lot of people like wrote practice plans or maybe studied film, especially at the high school level. Um, where did you get that from? Or was it just you wanting to be prepared? I think I just got lucky. My, my high school coach that I, that I talked about, like he, he, he was that way. He wrote out practice. Um, <clears throat> we had, you know, drill after drill after drill that he, he was telling us what to do. It wasn't just like this kind of free for all. And then junior college, same thing. My, my junior college coach was really good at that. And he was really good in matches of taking notes. I thought that was something that um, he during timeouts, he would definitely look down and, and talk about, you know, what what he saw. Um, and so I think that's probably where I got it from. And, and so that's when I started coaching. Um, I really, you know, was was that way. And then when I got to Stanford, I mean, no one thought about practice more than John and no one tried to be just super mindful of every drill that we were doing um more than him and so it was fun to to be in those meetings so earlier part of my career I was I was really diving into that even more than I already did so it kind of fit what I already thought you know um of practices and, and how you should plan and stuff 
And when did you make the transition from doing junior college and club and how did Stanford come into the picture? Yeah. So um, I was coach. I only coached junior college for three seasons as an assistant. It was awesome. And I learned a lot. It, he, the head coach uh, was more of a wrestling coach and a PE teacher. And so he, he let me do everything. And so I ran the practices, I wrote the practices, scouting reports, all that stuff. And so I, I was loving it, but I was also coaching club at the same time. And I was at a high school match and um, there was this setter from uh, Stockton that was there and her last name was Dunning. And so she, she was, you know, they were playing against Los Gatos and she was flinging the ball around. She's about five, five. And I, I came up to her after cause tryouts was in about two weeks. And I just, I said, you know, do you, are you interested in, in, you know, driving, you know, here and playing club, what's your club situation? And, and she said, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't super happy with my club team last year. Yeah. I'll come to tryouts. And so she did. And, um, yeah, it was John Dunning's daughter. And, uh, and so she, uh, she drove an hour and a half, sometimes two hours each way to, you know, twice a week and John drove her. And so I'm 23 years old, 22 years old with John Dunning in my gym every day, you know, and, uh, I didn't really know who he was, to be honest. Like I, I didn't know college volleyball that well, but once I figured out that he was kind of a big deal, um, yeah, it made me nervous a little bit at the beginning, but uh, he was just super respectful. I, I asked him questions and he, he, this is very John, but he, he didn't want to like give me any answers. You know, he didn't want to coach the team. He just wanted to be a dad um, or a chauffeur. Um, but that's how we kind of built that relationship is, is he saw me, how I, how I trained. Uh, we had a good season that year um, in the club. His daughter had a great experience, which I'm happy for. And, and, uh, and so the very next year, he got the job at Stanford. They won the national championship. That's in 2001 and 2002, his, vol his volunteer left. And so he basically asked me. So, um, so yeah, so I was coaching uh, at Los Altos High School girls at the time. And it was, um, I think it was in my fifth season. And, uh, and yeah, he asked me to be the volunteer. Uh, in 2002 and and to be honest I, this sounds strange but like I didn't really think about being a college coach again I, I wanted to be a high school coach I wanted to be a high school teacher I really liked the program that we built in high school and so it was a, it was a difficult decision because you think a volunteer you're like well I can't like I'm living on my own how can I afford to not get paid you know and and, and live and so that that's my first thought luckily they can pay you a little bit through camp and uh, I didn't get paid that much, but I got paid, you know, more than I got paid for the high school team. So for me, it was like, okay, I can, I can do this. And um, yeah, so I was a volunteer for two years. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a position opened up as a second assistant. And, and I guess I did a good enough job where he <laughs> let me stay on board for 13 more hey, years. You must have done something right. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we just... I mean, I still think of John as, you know, like my second father or my uncle that I love, you know, he's always been someone that we've really clicked right away, you know, and, and, and so those first two years of being a volunteer, I was learning so much about everything, you know, and, but I really, I really saw the game that's very similar to, to how he did. And, and so I was kind of all in with the way that he was teaching and, and all that. And, and so it was, it was a pretty easy transition. I needed to learn the recruiting side a little bit because obviously you can't do that as a volunteer, but 
um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like it was a, it was a good transition. It was something that I was ready to do, but I was still struggling with it. You know, is this Dude, your food is sitting in the, cause I really enjoy coaching, coaching club at the same time. It's interesting you say that because just based on what you have told me about, John, what you said about yourself now, and like what other like Cardinal alumni have said about John, you guys sound incredibly similar in your like philosophy of how you present volleyball. Because like Maddie and, and Brittany Howard and Inky have all told me, they're like, he's just a great teacher. And, like, he really enjoys teaching and, like, learning about the game and then, like, re representing it as, like, in, in a teaching, like, educational way. And it feels like you have very similar values in that sense as well. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that means a lot coming from them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, John was a, a high school math teacher for a long time before he, you know, went to UOP to coach. And so I just think he, he looks at – teaching and coaching like teaching and, and, and the way that he, you know, teaches skills or communicates, you know, just he's, he's very thoughtful. And so, yeah, I think we saw eye to eye on that for sure. And, and um, we just, we always found the most joy of seeing somebody start the season a certain way and end the season better, you know, as a player and that was, that's just by far the best thing for me as a coach. And, and he took a lot of joy in that as well. And, and then obviously over a career to see someone get better at things. And so he just was so good at trying to find every single way to make that kid better, you know, not just as a setter or as a server, just with every single skill. And, and I, yeah, I just, I, I love that, you know, that, that definitely speaks to me. And I try to carry that, you know, into my club teams that I coach as well. Is that something that you still carry? Like, is that the number one thing that you'd say that you took away from John? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that even before John, I mean, I, the, the best thing about coaching is just seeing people get better and, and see, you know, see them improve and, and yeah, hoping that you had something to do with that, you know? And so that's always been his number one thing. And for me, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's the most fun to see someone, get better at something or something click or, you know, see improvement. Cause I mean, you guys know as players, you know, competing is definitely at the top of the list of, of fun, but, but improving is, is right there, you know, with that, you know, the, the improvement that players have and how excited they get when they get something or, or to feel proud of, of where they're at. It's uh, there's nothing better. Athletes are happiest when they're moving forward. Yeah, for sure. For sure, which is not the easiest thing, especially at the higher levels that you go, you know. That's why I really enjoyed coaching club. You know, like I said, I coached for, for 20 years, but I coached 18s for 19 of those 20 years, you know. And so I coached a lot of juniors and seniors that were at a pretty high level, you know, certainly for the area, but, but just in general and them going to the next level. And so being a college coach and knowing what that level was and knowing what was important, I loved getting those kids ready for the next level, you know, with all the skills, the mental side. I mean, I loved coaching club, you know, I just thought it was so cool. And I was fortunate to coach a lot of really good players and good teams, but so that was fun too, but I love kids figuring out, you know, how to, how to serve and how to defend as a middle or, you know, how to set, you know, I just, I, I love them getting better at those things. So it was, it was a lot of fun. That'll definitely get you through the dog days. You don't. Yeah. <laughs>
see some kid do it and you're like, it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and John, I mean, John was a very big rep guy. You know, we did a ton of reps, you know, a, a lot of drills were just designed to try to get as many, you know, good touches, good technique as we could, you know? And so, I mean, there was just a lot of drills that were designed to try to get people. Yeah. All those, all those reps to try to get better and hopefully have a better understanding of how to do it. Are you a big, like, are you a big talker as a coach, like in practice? Are you a big feedback guy? Or and like, have you, or were you ever, sorry, when you were younger, were you like that? Or have you gotten yeah. at it when you were older? Or? Yeah, I talked way too much when I was younger. Um, I, I think most coaches, like, they see something, and so they, you know, try to try to say something and, and fix it or whatever. And so I, I found that I got to a certain point as an assistant coach that I really wanted to be positive in what I was saying. So my feedback became a lot more about how to make it better versus trying to fix things. And, and then when I became, or when I was a head coach for half the year of a club team, I, I had to catch myself a lot because I was talking a lot more. I'm talking in timeouts I'm talking in, you know, in between games. And I, I, I had to really just be aware that being positive was just way better, you know, for, for everyone, including myself. Um, and so I try now to, to just be specific, you know, try to be positive, but, but be specific and, and make sure that um, I think it's really important that when people are doing things well, that they're, they're not being ignored. And that's a really easy thing to do in college. There's a lot of kids that are not being talked to, you know, very much. And, um, and we try in our gym to really make sure that, that, we're watching, you know, everyone and we're giving feedback to everyone. So I try to be specific, but I, I want to make sure that I'm not just standing there, you know, not saying anything, even, <clears throat> even if great things are happening. Do you communicate differently to each athlete or is it like, this is who I am. So this is how I'm going to communicate to you. Or do you, do you gear it differently towards other people based on what you know about them and like your relationship? I think I'm pretty consistent as far as how I communicate um, in the tone that I communicate. But I think, yeah, I think there's different people that um, they need it a little differently as far as what I'm saying. And so I'm not the type of coach that's going to be like harder on someone because they say that's what I need or that's what I've gotten. I'm just not, that's just not me. Um, so they're going to have to, they're going to have to get something else um, with respect to that. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think, teaching a skill or trying to fix something or communicating. I think it's, it's, it should be all about, you know, to the athlete, you know, and, and so getting to know that athlete is really important and making sure that, you know, the best way to communicate, you know, with her and um, to try to make sure that, that she's, you know, she's getting the most out of, out of what she's doing. I think that, yeah, you just got to get to know them. You know, if they're, if they need you to really, uh, be overly positive because, you know, they're sensitive, then I think that that's when we need to start talking about, you know, some, some different mindset stuff to make sure that, you know, they're not too hard on themselves, which happens all the time, or, you know, that they're able to kind <clears> of <throat> absorb what you're saying and, and move on. So I think as an assistant coach, it's way easier to do. I'm, I, I'm, I'm confident in how I give feedback as an assistant coach for sure, because I've done it for so long. Um, 
but it's, I think it's still really important that everybody leaves the gym feeling like they got coached. And going back a little bit, um, you were at Stanford for a long time and then you went to Illinois, correct? Yep. So why the change? <clears throat> yeah, so it, it, it was a, it was a tough change. Um, I had interviewed a couple times uh, to be a head coach at some different places, and it started getting me thinking about just the next step, you know, and uh, I have a six-year-old daughter who was two at the time, and my son was on on his way, and um, yeah, I just, I got uh, really close to a head coaching job, and it didn't, it didn't happen, and um I reached out to Kevin a couple months before that. So like around the time I was, I was kind of searching um, and I said, Hey, this assistant position opened up and uh, for Illinois, I said, I'm interested in, in talking to you. And he texted me right back and he said, yeah, I, 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 I got to hire a woman, you know, we have two, two males on staff. I really want, you know, to hire a good, a good female assistant. And I was like, right, well, that's not me. So um, <laughs> keep, keep me in mind, you know, and, um, and like I said, the head coaching thing didn't work out and, and another assistant position opened up a couple months, you know, after that. And so he, he called me and uh, you know, at that time we had just moved from on campus where we were, um, living comfortably uh, from the athletic department. I'll just put it that way. And uh, we moved a couple miles down the road and we were paying $3,750 for a two bedroom apartment. And uh, yeah. And so um, when he called, you know, we started doing research of, of cost of living in Champaign, Illinois. A little cheaper. And, um, and it was, it was pretty inexpensive to not only buy a home, but buy a nice home. And so there's two things that that was a big driving force of, you know, Hey, I want a better situation for my family. I have a son coming, you know, can we make it work? Absolutely. We can, we can live in a two bedroom apartment. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that if you walked into a vision 18's practice and you walked into a Stanford practice, the structure of both those practices were very different. So I knew, for a couple years that I was starting to think about the game differently and how to train it and, and all those things. And so I just knew that there was this, there was a lot out there that I didn't know being with the same coaching staff for 15 years. I'd learned so much every day, you know, and, but I just knew that I was at a different place and I really was hungry to learn, you know? And so that those two things, you know, my family and just growth as a coach were the biggest kind of, driving forces you know of leaving and it was it was difficult and it was difficult because maddie touched on this we didn't end you know the season before great you know we lost in the second round to a really good lmu team and um that's not how i necessarily want think about ending a career but but as a coach you just think about the next step you know and and the, and the next step for me was you know yeah i was this great class of Plummer and Fitzmorris and Gray and all those girls are coming in and it would be great to coach those girls for sure. And it would be great to coach Inky who, you know, wasn't there that year before, but once I knew Cass was going to be the assistant and take my place, I was completely confident that they were going to be fine. And, uh, and it was just, yeah, it was about, it was about growing as a coach. So. 
and I learned a ton from Kevin, you know, it, it like everything, my head was spinning that whole year. We had our son two months into the season. I've never missed a match in 16 years and had to miss a match at Maryland. Um, it was, it was a lot thrown at us. My wife and I lived in the Bay Area for 40 years of our life, you know, and now we're halfway across the country and living, you know, living without family and friends around and having a son during the season. And it was a lot, you know, but I, I, I learned so much from him of how to run a program. Um, and then, yeah, he, John retires and Kevin, wow. Kevin leaves and goes <laughs> to Stanford. So uh, I was kind of, kind of a, a strange situation for me, um, obviously, because I just come from there, but I mean, completely understand why he left and it was really difficult for him. I mean, he built that program up and, and just, you know, had just a lot of ties there. And, and, and it was a really difficult decision for him to leave those girls and leave that community that he built up. But <clears throat> he wanted to win national championships. I mean, he said that, you know, and, and, you know, could we, could we win national championships at Illinois? Yeah, absolutely. You know, but he knew that just uh, Stanford is just, is just different, you know, and, and, uh, He's the perfect fit for that program. He's brilliant, you know, as a coach and, and uh, you know, really good um, at so many different parts of a program. So it was tough for him to leave. And, and uh, there was a moment there I thought I was going to get the Illinois job. And uh, in hindsight, I'm, you know, things happen for a reason, as my mom would say. And uh, Chris Thomas, who I've known for a while, uh, got the job and decided to keep me on board and, <clears throat> what an amazing coach Chris is. I mean, he's, he's brilliant as well and just had a plan from the beginning of, of how he wanted to run a program. And so for me to be there that year and, and see him as a brand new head coach and, you know, be a part of that, I was awesome, you know, so I'm just super lucky. And then Keegan, Keegan calls a couple months later and, and uh, my first thought is we just beat, Washington in the second round at Washington and we have everybody coming back in Illinois. Like, why am I going to go to Washington? <laughs> no, makes no, makes no sense from a career standpoint, but my wife, uh, yeah, she, she really wanted me to look into the job and, and try to get back West, um, yeah. which, uh, which I, I appreciate. And, um, you know, she sacrificed a lot going out there for a couple of years and, and there's things of it that she loved, but, yeah, the more I looked into the program at Washington, the more I just, I just was like, you know, I respect this program a ton when I was at Stanford. And, and obviously now um, I know why it's been as great as it's been. And, and so, yeah, I was, I coached with four different head coaches in four years, which is, <laughs> uh, which is not easy. But if my goal, if my goal was to grow as a coach, you did it. Those three years, those first three years I was gone. I, I could not have asked for anything better to coach with Kevin and then Chris and then Keegan and coach with Aaron Lindsay, who's now the head coach at Santa Clara and Rashinda Reed and, and Tui. I mean, so I've, I've coached with some pretty great people since I've left Stanford. Um, well, I hate to do this, but I got to go, I got to go coach now, coach have up some, some time. Club, coach up some club kids. Yeah. It's actually it. like the highlight of my weeks right now I, is getting to coach. I bet. Tell everybody I said hi. I will. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have you on for a part two in a couple yeah. months or something like that. But, yeah, take care of yourself till then. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Stay safe. See ya. Later.
Well, don't let Jackson leave and make us discontinue the course. Let's do it, man. Let's keep talking. I got time. I think, like, my biggest question to you is, and I for sure have asked you this before, and I don't know how deep you want to get into it. Yeah. People will listen to it, but, like, has it just been, like, a total hit on, like, your ego and who you are to not get a head coaching job? (laughs) Dead serious. Yeah, my ego, my, yeah, I mean, I would say that five or six years ago, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was hard. It was hard to not get jobs that you really wanted. I mean, whether you think you're qualified or not, or whatever, like that, every, every situation, every program, every university is its own island, you know, and, and, and so when there's non-volleyball people hiring volleyball people, you know, or there's non-basketball people hiring basketball people, it's, uh-huh. it's really just what, it's what they want, you know? And, and, and so, yeah, I took it way too personally to start with like, Hey, I've, I've been successful, you know, in college and club and people say that I haven't been a head coach, but I've been a head coach, you know, all these different, you know, programs and levels. I was a head coach for 20 years in club and I just, you can't, you can't go down that road. And, and so, again, not to be cheesy, but like my mom very, you know, a lot during, you know, growing up was like, if it's not meant to be, then it's not meant to be. And everything happens for a reason. And, and it's not like I was at bad places, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm at Stanford, I'm at Illinois, I'm at Washington. So yeah, it, it, for me, it's, it, it'd be different if I got fired, you know, and, and I feel for these coaches, assistants and head coaches that get let go and they have families and they're trying to figure it out. Like they got to get this job, you know, yeah. I want this job, you know, I wanted these jobs, but I didn't, I didn't need the job, you know, I'm very happy with where I was at. So I think once I started thinking that way and just, and just knew how, how lucky and fortunate I was, then it didn't mean that I didn't put everything into trying to get some of these jobs. Absolutely. But when you look at every single job I didn't get, there is a, very good reason why they hired the person they hired yeah very good reason and and i can't i just can't do anything about that so i don't know i i i think about if i was a head coach at a certain point then i wouldn't have got a chance to coach you know all those great players at illinois you know all the great players that i'm coaching at washington that i'm super happy coaching these kids you know so and that for me that's what it's about and so it does it does it suck in some ways yeah but I don't know. I just, everything happens for a reason, like I said, and, and I, I'm super happy with where I'm at and really grateful to, <clears throat> to coach with who I coach with, you know, Keegan and Tui are, are the best and, and, um, and the kids that are in the program now, the kids that just left and they're so, they're so fun to be around. So it's going to have to take someplace special in order for me to even consider it, apply, apply to a job, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, but I don't want to get comfortable either, you know, uh, I don't want to be comfortable being an assistant coach, you know, if that, if that's my fate for the rest of my career, I'll be fine. You know, I'll be better than fine. So, but, but no, I am, I am jealous a little bit when I talk to my brother about certain things and, and uh, you know, some of the things that he has to go through as a head coach, you know, I, I knew that John had to go through him and Kevin had to go through him and Chris and Keegan and it's part of the job for sure. And so it's not, it's not all great being in charge and being a head, being a head coach for sure. But um, yeah, I just got to, I'd be happy where I'm at and 
if something comes up where I feel like it's the right move for my family, you know, and, and someplace um, that I want to be, I, I really want my next job, if it's as a head coach, to be my last. I don't want to be bouncing around anymore. My daughter is six and <clears throat> she's lived in seven different houses, you know, yeah. and um, it's a lot, you know, and uh, she's getting to an age where, you know, friends matter and, and all those things. And so, you know, it's, um, those are at the front of my mind more than I would love to be in charge of programs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of enough stuff here where I feel I'm, I'm good. You know, so you got enough responsibility on your plate. Yeah. And it's collaborative. Does it sure. bother you when young coaches, I'm not going to name any names, but younger yeah. coaches that are assistants and they haven't been assistants for a long period of time whatsoever. Yeah. Like, they start pitching and they're like, oh, like I deserve this job. I should be a head coach. And like Dave Hunt said this, and I think Keegan said it too, when I went to dinner at his place and they got, they were fired up. And like, these guys, they feel like they deserve the world because they coached for four years at, you know, whatever state university. And does that fire you up too, even as a as an assistant coach, where it's like, hey, like paying your dues, that's not what it's all about. Like it's the right yeah. age, the right fit, the right everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it fires me up, but I just – you got to be – you got to try to be as ready as you can be, you know. And and the reason I'm confident that that if I do become a head coach one day that, that – you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready as ready as you can be, yeah. um, is that I I've thrown myself into every single skill, you know, every single part of the game, um, recruiting, you know, just everything, you know, there's no, there's not a stone that has been unturned in my mind, uh, of how to run a program or how I would do something. And so, and I've been really lucky because John, was the first one that was like, okay, well, you're going to start off and you're in charge of the servers and passers, you know? And then for a long period of time, you're in charge of the offense for a long period of time, you're in charge of the defense and the blocking and the back row. So I, I got exposed to every single position and every single part of the game. And, and I just know that being a head coach at all those different levels and, and making those decisions and, and all those things, I think that, I feel confident that, that not, I just haven't paid my dues. Like that's, that's not it, but I, I've put in the work, you know, to, to know what I would do or what I would say or how I would, I would run things. And I just think that there's a lot of coaches out there that, I don't know, they, they, they want it for the wrong reasons. You know, they want to be a head coach for, for the wrong reasons. And, and part of them probably wants that like a glory like a yeah, it's a status thing for sure. And, and it was never about that for me. It's still not about that. I don't want to be a head coach because I want to be a head coach. I want to be a head coach because I have these ideas and I have, you know, a certain way that I would, I would want to run a program. And, um, and, and I saw success with it, you know, at Vision. And, and so, um, yeah, it just would be, it would be fun. It's just, it, it would be fun to, to do that. But yeah, so I just think there's coaches out there that um, 
you know, maybe were great players uh, and they're, they're done playing. And so now they moved into coaching and, and um, I think that's a really tough um, change, you know, to go from, from being a competitor to being a coach and yeah, the competitive mindset is pretty hard to turn off. And so sometimes competing is, you know, I want this job, you know, and I think I deserve this job. And, um, and so I'm going for it, you know, and I'm going for it, uh, you know, with everything I have, not knowing, um, yeah, do you really want to be a head coach? Are you really even coaching for the right reasons? You yeah. know, um, just all those things. So it doesn't fire me up. I just, I feel bad because I've been in college volleyball for a long time and I've seen a lot of people think they want to be head coaches and then either not be successful or um, just be miserable you know, because they, they thought they wanted something and uh, just was way different than uh, I guess what they hoped for, you know, so, um, but yeah, coaching, coaching is difficult. Coaching college is difficult for lots of, for lots of reasons, not just as a head coach, but just all the way down. There's lots of, lots of things about it that are great. <laughs> and there's lots of things about it that are really challenging. Yeah, for sure. How has autonomy worked in like each place that you've been at? Like, because I'm guessing every head coach you've worked for is significantly different. So like, how has each one changed in like, Hey, we're going to give you X amount of work or have you, has there been a position where you've walked in and they're like, Hey, you can do whatever you want or. John. Yeah. John, I mean, John, and I were in a unique situation because I, you know, I, I was the volunteer when I was 24, you yeah. know, and, and, and so he, he kind of groomed me to be good in the gym. And, and then from there it was, he was always good at like, if you don't feel like you're getting enough of something, let's have you do it, you know, or let's have you be a part of it, you know? And so he just was really good at, at, each year evaluating, you know, um, it's like a, a big deal now to, to have, you know, coaches and em employers and whatever evaluate, you know, your year and have goals for the next year. I mean, he did that 20 years ago, you know, just because he wanted, you know, he wanted us to get better at, uh, at everything. And so we had really good conversations about, okay, what are you doing and what do you feel good about and what, you know, what can you do now? And then when I got to Illinois, Kevin just had these silos of like how, how he wanted certain coaches to, to just do all of these things, you know, and, and I never saw that before. And so there was this huge responsibility list of things that was kind of, you know, put upon you. And, and then he's like, this is your thing, you know, do it how you want to do it, you know, and, and uh, which I thought was cool. But uh, I didn't know him well enough and I didn't know the program and the university well enough to like really understand all that that meant. And, um, and so it was really difficult that first year understanding what he wanted me to do because he can like, as a head coach, you can say, Oh, do what you want. You know, I trust you, but like we'd never coached together. Right. You know, we had some, some long conversations on the phone and I, and I loved it, but we didn't really know each other, you know, as, as coaches and, and, and what he wants. And, and so that was really difficult for me to go from this mentorship to, Hey, this is, this is, you know, this is yours, you know, do kind of what you want. Yeah. Um, 
And I struggled with that big time. And then Chris, <clears throat> I just think Chris, he just simplified everything for all of us. You know, it, the players in the gym, our roles, what we were doing, he just, he really simplified everything for us. And, and so I think I learned so much from Kevin and then to go from Kevin to Chris was a really comfortable uh, transition. If I went from Chris to Kevin, it would have been challenging like it was yeah. to go from John to Kevin. But I really, I really like the way Chris did things. Um, it's just, it's just, yeah, it just, he just simplified things a lot more. And, um, and then Keegan's kind of somewhere in between, you know, he, when we were talking initially about me coming there, he asked me, you know, what do you want to do? What are you passionate about doing? Um, and I said, yeah, this is what I feel, feel good about, but I want you to have me do whatever you want me to do. I feel confident in doing any position, any skill, recruiting, fundraising, whatever, like what, you know, what, what do you need the most help with? And so we've had good conversations about that. And, and I think the three years that I've been there or been here, I should say, um, it's, it's just the best working environment, collaborative coaching with everything that we're doing with Tui Keen and I that, that I've been a part of. And um, it wasn't like anything else was bad. You know, I just have had more time than I had with Chris and Rashinda or Kevin and Aaron. Um, so yeah, I just feel like it's, it's just a real, it's a real collaborative kind of effort um, of what we're doing and, and uh, all the decisions that are made are being made with the three of us. They're not, I mean, Keegan's got the final say obviously, but he values our opinion, um, not just because we're older than him, but he he, <laughs> he respects us enough, uh, which I appreciate so much. I would not be as happy as I am if that wasn't the case. So, and could same you, thing with Tui. Could you give me an example of what Chris exactly simplified? Because I'm trying to like, I'm attempting to figure it out in my head, but I have an idea, but I'd rather hear it from you and then. Yeah, I just like the scouting reports, um it just it just was a lot simpler um how we played the game i think that's probably the easiest way it wasn't it wasn't like just me I, I had a lot more experience obviously as a human and as a coach than than these girls that have played volleyball for one or two years or three in the program and just the girls would leave the gym after like the first day or the first week and just be like yeah this is just this is just easier. What he expects out of us is just, it's not any lower than what Kevin wanted. It's just, it's just, there's a lot more freedom, you know, to, to how to play the game and uh, the things that are important and the things that are being stressed, you know? And um, yeah, so I, I don't know. That's just the, it, it, the girls felt it. I, I felt it. Um, and it just, it, it worked. He had a couple of things that were important to him, you know, communication being one of them. Um, and it, it just, it felt like from the beginning, he had this plan and knew what he wanted to do. And it, it was well thought out and it was well laid out. And um, I just think it was, it, it just, I don't know, maybe it just fit my personality more of like trying to keep things simple and not try to overdo it, which it's kind of kind of the progression that I was talking about at Stanford. You know, I think that 
John got to a place later in his career where he he tried to make it simpler for for the athletes. And I know that I was at that place again when you're looking at those even practice plans of how practice was at Vision versus Stanford. It was it was just a lot simpler, you know, in, in, in certain ways. And so no, I just I I think the world of Chris, I think that he's he's definitely one of the best coaches out there. I hate saying young coach because he's just one of the best coaches. He's yeah. he's really, really good. He's really good at at teaching skills. He's really good at the highest level athlete. I mean, Jordan Poulter, who I got a chance to coach for two years, you know, I mean, she's she's as good as it gets physically and mentally. And um, he, I mean, he did a phenomenal job, you know, with her, her last two seasons, you know, so, but he's also really improved. Like Jackie Quaid is a great example. You know, she was a kid that you know, wasn't a great passer, didn't hit with a lot of range, didn't have a lot of confidence. And, you know, the last couple of years that he was with her, um, yeah, she's, she's phenomenal, you know, so. It's interesting that you use, when I hear freedom, I do not think simplicity, mm. right? Because when I like, it, it's, it's such a fine line of like how much freedom do I give my players versus like how much do I have to rein them in with like guidelines, rules, whatever it is. Yeah. And so it is really unique to me that you say like freedom was a sense of, I don't know, maybe relief, but like it was a sense of simplicity for everybody's mind. That's like the way that I interpret it as a, as an athlete is like, there aren't all these rules that I have to follow now. Yeah. Like, if ball goes here, this means I have to be here. Mm -hmm. If ball goes here, then if I see it, I can react to it. If I don't right. see it, then I can leave, you know? Yeah. Is that, is that kind of like the or the freedom that he was giving the players is like, just yeah, I think, like as a as a um, as a passer, for instance, I think that the the freedom was that, you know, the goal is to is to see the serve and to try to get to a place to to be on balance and then create the angle that's going to make the ball go to target. You know, like th those are those are things that are going to help you get the ball to target. But it's not like you need to move this specific way to get there. You have to try to get it in a certain place. You know, you have to do this after you pass the ball. It wasn't, it, it was, it was a lot more like, Hey, this is the goal. Like these are these, 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 this is the goal, pass the ball to target. These are the things, you know, the big things that are going to help you get the ball there. And there's freedom in how you're going to move and, and, and how you're going to do your platform. And um, so I think there was that there's also offensively, like as an attacker, I just think he did a great job of teaching range, you know, which I'm a huge fan of. And, it just was not, it, it wasn't taught in the same way or even a thought, you know, before that. And so these kids are, are, are understanding that they have the freedom to make the choice, you know, whether they hit line or they hit yeah. angle or they hit or they tool or they tip or whatever. Their freedom, the freedom is to make the choice, but let's give them the toolbox to be able to do those things by practicing them all the time, you know? So I think that, it wasn't like we just roll the balls out and like figure out how to pass it to target, you know, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't that, it wasn't that simple. Um, but I just, I really liked the way that he, yeah, he, he coached them and, and again, simplified the game and simplified the scouting report, simplified camp, how we did camp. Um, yeah. I just think, I just think people, um, 
related to that better, I guess, you know, but there's so many different ways to coach the game. So many different ways to play the game. Like there's so many coaches when you look at, when you look at Russ Rose compared to Jim McLaughlin compared to John Dunning compared to Dave Shoji, I mean, you can go down the list. Like they're the most successful coaches. If you walked into their gym and watched them coach, you watched how they were training. Like it's so different, you know? So I've appreciated that there's a lot of similarities between the four head coaches that, um, that I've coached with, you know, there's a lot of things that I believe in how they teach, but yeah, they're, they're, they're all different and they're all successful, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, right. I love the thought of you want to teach. I'm like this with the setters that I coach. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know to put into your arsenal. And it's up to you to decide what's your favorite because you're right. you, kid. Like, I'm not you. Right. I don't know how you move. You right. know how you move. And if you're great right. off two feet, you're great off two feet. If you're great right. off one foot, you're great off one foot, you know? And like, I can't tell you how to be the best you. Only you can do that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, think, I think the difference in how people serve and how people set is probably the biggest difference in technique, you know, that, that, that I've seen. And I've seen so many different setters be successful in so many different ways of how they get to the ball, how they jump up to the ball, how they release the ball. I mean, it's like... I know what I like to look at if I saw somebody set and I'd be like, Oh, I like that, you know, but that's, I'm not going to go, you know, to a gym and try to find that exact kid, you know? And so, and I think the same thing with serving, like we talk about toss, for instance, you know, there's, there's a lot of coaches and, and, and we believe this as well, where, you know, your, your, your arm is back and ready and you're tossing with one hand. But I mean, Cassie Lickman is one of the best, float jump float servers I've ever coached and she tossed with two hands you know and and uh yeah she was she was able to to hit her spots make the ball move a lot and and hit it with with good pace and so um yeah there's lots of ways to do things for sure um but yeah I I think giving them giving them some keys that will help them be repeatable and then let them you know make make the choices specifically specifically as as a setter and as an attacker i mean i think i'm yeah. i feel pretty strongly about that you know the the attacking part is what i've um with the pins at least the last couple of years is what i've been the most focused on in matches and in practice and i think that's so it's so big to see people make good choices and and feel proud about that for sure it's a uh... Yeah, what a relief to like see some kids' toolbox just getting bigger and bigger. And you're like, well, she just turned the ball down the line. She snapped one down to one to like take the setter out of this play. She went yep. with the ball. It's just like all these cool things that just happen right in front of your eyes. I remember us talking about that with Kara because she loves wrist away. Yeah. Occasionally there would just be a nice high ball and she'd turn it down the line and bury it. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big boy swing right there. That's awesome. It is. You know, there's there's three attackers that I've been fortunate to coach that have that that were at a different altitude. A gun and Amani was just the best. She touched about eleven feet 
Alex Kleinman is the second, and then Carr is the third. And all three of those girls had a lot of range, you know, and, and part of it was that they could go high and they had the ability to sometimes go over the block. Um, but they took pride in hitting the ball high line. They took pride in hitting the ball sharp cross. They took pride in hitting the ball deep corner. They took pride in, in tipping, you know, and, and scoring yeah. in different ways. And like the thing about all three of them that really stands out and Cara, I just, I, I've loved her from day one for this is that she just, she just went for it, you know, and we were joking, um, you know, talking about your team's unfortunate um, hitting air today. But when I first got there, I'm like, dude, this kid, this kid goes for it. She, she doesn't have fear whether it's a bad situation. So it's a bad set or it's late in the game. Like she's, she's going to go for it, you know, if she can. And um, I think that's so rare to try to take a kid. that's like not sure of herself and try to get her to the level to go for it is so hard. Right. And so to have that about her and have her try to tone it down in certain, in certain points to make a better choice, you know, maybe to, to keep the ball in play, I thought was way easier. And so, it's not a surprise that she ended many matches for us her senior year uh, by getting kills, you know, both matches against Wisconsin, you know, at Stanford, uh, UCLA on the BIC. Like she just, she's exactly who you want to set at match point because she, she's going to go for it. And um, so I don't know. I just, I've been really lucky to coach a lot of great outside hitters and right side hitters. um, But all three of those kids just did not have fear and they, uh, and they had obviously some physical things about them that were unbelievable. So you, that's the combo that is, uh, is the best, I guess, you know, fearless physical specimens. Yeah. Just take it. I love it. I love it. So much fun to watch those kids in those, in those big moments excel because they, they're not afraid. I think all four coaches that you named are all part of, Art of coaching. You said John, Dave, yeah. Russ, uh, except J Mac. J Mac's definitely not a part of art of coaching. But he should be. He's, yeah, he could be. He could be I mean, yeah, I feel like I feel like I feel like all these coaches could be a part of art of coaching. I mean, they, yeah, they, they, they are, you know, artists in the way that they coach. But yeah. but like your brother was saying it too. He's like, there's this. There's an art and there's a science. Yeah. What side do you lean more toward, the art or the science of coaching? I, yeah, I, I love the way that, that my brother said it. Um, I, God, I'm, I'm I, I was so far on the art side of it for so long. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where, you know, again, when you're, when you're looking at the situation that I was in before I went to Illinois, I just, I feel like I was, I was so close to the middle, you know, I was way, way closer to the middle. And then I feel like for, for a little bit, I went, I went to the science side because I just didn't understand it enough. You know, I didn't understand why people were teaching the game the way that they were teaching it because I had all these experience of coaching, you know, seventh and eighth grade boys and junior high and and JV and varsity and all these, all these levels where, um, yeah, I probably would have helped a lot more if I knew 
the science of it, you know, of how to teach, you know, motor learning and, and all that. It probably, I probably would have helped those kids out more, you know, as a coach, but um, being with the kids that I'm in the gym with right now, it's incredibly important that they're, they're moving, they're moving well. Um, if the goal as an attacker is to jump high and hit hard, then how you move and how you prep and, and how you swing through the ball, those things are really important, you know? And so the art for me is to be able to prepare to, to do all those things and then be pretty creative with your thought process and the situation that you're in and what you see. Um, yeah. And just, and just, uh, I think that's where the cool part of, of the art comes in, you know, if we're just talking about attacking. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a blend, but it depends on the skill and it depends on the person and where they're at and their development. You know, um, Maddie Ensley's a good, a good one right now. She's a freshman that we have and there's so many great things about her. There's so many great things about her. I'm so excited to coach her and, um, she hits the ball so hard, but she's got a great roll shot that we saw. She can hit line. She can hit crossbody line. She can hit it off the block. She's got a lot of art to her game, but the way that she moves, you know, can, can get better and it's going to help her have more range. It's going to help her stay healthier, I hope. And um, yeah, it's going to help her hit the ball harder, which is a scary thought. Yeah, that'd be so cool. I'm excited to watch her. I, I, I love not being in the U.S. and, like, not knowing anything. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden, like, when I log into volumetrics or whatever, then I'm like, who's this kid? Yeah. Who's this, like, that girl from Baylor just tore up the league? And I was like, who yeah, she's, yeah. I mean, she's a kid from Texas that was a little undersized that obviously was a great athlete you know, from the beginning. But I remember watching her freshman and even sophomore year. And uh, you could just tell this kid, this kid was special. And the way that they run their offense, it takes a couple years to really get good, especially with someone like her that she hits so many different spots and the floating point Bick in the back row and, and a lot of the stuff that they do. But talk about wrist away. I mean, that girl, she is crazy and how she hits wrist away i mean she is the most dynamic wrist away hitter i've seen in a really long time and she you know she's really special when it comes to that shot so yeah she got one more year and uh teams are going to be they're going to be struggling to stop her because she just will get better and better especially having the same setter for uh for three or four years that girl's pretty good i like her too she's pretty she's good dog in her i like she's got some dog in her she does. She does. She, yeah, she's, she's not afraid, you know, and she, um, I don't know. It, 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 it was tough to lose to them for sure. But that offensive performance that we had against us, it was not just her. I mean, their middles were so good. Their opposite was yeah. so good. You know, the OH2 had a great match. I mean, they were, they were a very good offensive team that night. Very good. And she was obviously at the top of the list. And so, you know, she gets, she gets a lot of credit, but you know, their setter and, and the way that they ran their offense that whole season really, but specifically that match um, was awesome. It was a little disappointing for them not to play um, <clears throat> offensively that way the next match, but man, I've been to the final four a couple of times and it, it, it can, it can get in your head, 
you know, and it can, it can make you not play, not play the game that you're capable of playing, unfortunately. And so I thought they played well. I just, they, they were nowhere near as efficient as they were against us. Is that match against Penn State with you guys at Stanford, is that the toughest loss you guys that you've had in your career? At Stanford or at uh, like when you guys Sacramento? Elite Eight, right? You guys played Penn Elite State. Eight match in yeah, it was yeah, uh, yeah. it was in in Kentucky, yeah, in Kentucky. Um, Hot take. Is way. that the toughest match? I mean, I you've told me that. I hope Micah Hancock hears this. She missed her <laughs> at one yeah. zero. <clears throat> But they called. I was like one, yeah, it was like one or two zero. It was like you go back and watch the film, and and it was clearly out of bounds. The tough thing is she hit the ball so hard, and it was it was closer to the line judge, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I wish. I mean, it's moments like that where you wish replay was was there because yeah, I was, her serve was such a weapon. Specifically, her last couple years of college, such a weapon. I mean, it was. I mean, they started in row six every single time or row one, obviously, if they were serving, to have her be the first server because it was such a weapon. It's the lefty. It's going from <clears throat> coming at you from right to left. It was it was very unique, and it she hit it really hard, and she was really consistent with it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say we would have won the match by any means, but we, we played, you know, we played really well in the match before that. And But uh, I don't know. The, t- the toughest lot, I don't know. I mean, I – I've been fortunate to to go to the final four seven times, you know, and out of those seven times, we won six of the semifinal matches. So I was in the finals six times and I won one national championship. <clears throat> so, I mean, we lost, you know, four times to Penn state in the national championship and one time to Nebraska, you know, I mean, we lost to really great teams and great programs that had incredible talent on the other side of the net. And a lot of those matches were really good matches and really competitive matches. But to go to the final four is just such a special experience. You know, it's, it's amazing. And it, now it's even more amazing um, because of the production and, and whatever. So for us to go to the final four that many times and, and win the semifinal match that many times, I thought was awesome. You know, so that one time, you know, Maddie's, junior year for us to go there in, in my career at least and, and lose that match we lost to a great team you know we lost to a team that was very talented and and did we play our best no I mean we didn't but again it, it was the first time that every single one of those girls had played in that match in the final four it wasn't like it was this normal thing for them where for Penn State it was normal they had been to that match yeah. you know many times and they performed <clears throat> like they were ready to go and they, they were more themselves than, than we were. So it's a good lesson though. I was always curious as a coach, when it's the, it's the last match of the season, what do you say? Cause I've heard coaches, they're like, I don't like to say anything, but I'm like, well, you kind of have to say something cause it's it. It's over. Yeah. I always struggled in college and club. It was easy because, um, these girls were going to continue their career in college. And, and, and so the message was always, I really appreciated, you know, them 
letting me coach them and I hope that they learned a lot and I'm, I'm going to miss this team, but, you know, hopefully they, they learn the experiences to go on to the next level. Um, in college, <clears throat> it, to me, it's just all about the seniors. You know, the message is that this is, this is your last match, you know, and um, you're probably having the talk where you didn't win the national championship, you know, yeah. And um, everybody has that talk except for one program. And so, yeah, it's just about, it's about the seniors. It's about, you know, the legacy they've left and, and how much you appreciate them and, and what they've done. And, and uh, some years are harder than others because of the group of kids that are, that are leaving. But um, there's been lots of times where we've talked to the whole group. We're obviously addressing the seniors, you know, there's, <clears throat> tears and and hugs and and appreciation and all that um and then there's times where that same night we'll meet with all the underclassmen you know and uh and talk about what's next and how exciting it can be <clears throat> so yeah a lot of mixed emotions uh this year there were tears because it was over you know and and that we were close to going to the final four with the with a group that i i feel like definitely could have played in the final four. You know, we, we played really well against Wisconsin earlier in the year and, and beat them twice and, uh, and then and beat Stanford the only time that we played them. And obviously those teams were playing really well at the end of the year. And we felt like we were as well. And we just ran into a buzzsaw, you know, at Baylor where they were really good. So, but there, I think there was a lot of, a lot of pride and a lot of at peace with, just the season in general, you know, even though we didn't play our best match, I just think that a lot of people were sad that it was over Yeah, because we really enjoyed the experience and we really progressed in a, in a two year period um, to get to that match. Well, Jay, you know, I think we're good here, man. Yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate you guys letting me talk and, uh, I got, I always got a lot to say. Yeah, we're good, man. I always got a lot to say. So it, uh, it's been, it's been fun. Anytime. Yeah. You come over and we've hung out, you know, we, I can talk volley for a long time and I've been fortunate to have a lot of experiences. So, uh, I have a lot of, a lot of, uh, yeah, cool stories that, uh, that I'm just happy that, uh, that I can relive and think about and be grateful for where I'm at. Pretty happy. For sure. And the next time you're on, it'll hopefully be post COVID. Yeah, that would be, that would be nice That'd for, be for our country yeah. <laughs> and, and the countries around the world. First and foremost. Just recheck in with what's happening at uh, UW and with the family and everything. But again, man, yeah. thank you for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it for having me. Stay safe. I hope the test comes back negative. That makes two of us, my friend. All right, buddy. Take care. Have a good one. Later.